Turn to the book of Zechariah, please. Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13. Keep your Bible open and mark this because we'll refer to this throughout tonight. Zechariah 13, please. I'd like to speak tonight on the prophetic, personal, and permanent wounds of Christ. The prophetic, personal, and permanent wounds of Christ. And through this you will see some Bible prophecy of the wounds of Christ. And also you will see of the, the prophetic word of God going forth through the nations. You will see the personal wounds that become God's personal wounds in Christ and his son. And then you will also see the permanent wounds when Christ returns those nails scar hands. Bless him. Zechariah 13 and verse 6, please. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. Awake, O sword, against my shepherd and against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered, and I will turn mine hand upon the little ones. That's just by a word of prayer. Father, take your own word now and glorify the name of Jesus. Thank you for the sense of you in the house. Thank you for the sense of your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, we worship you. And we love you. There's no one like you, Jesus. Conscious of you. So conscious, Lord, of you that our hearts could worship you all evening. You're a wonderful Savior. A wonderful Lord. We thank you for your great sacrifice. And for this salvation you have wrought in each and every one of us who know thee. So we ask you, Lord, to speak to our hearts. Encourage your people. Instruct them. Lord, teach us. To those who have not yet come to saving faith, if there be one tonight in this house. Holy Spirit, draw them to the Son of God. And enable them to see him. Bearing their sin away in his own body on the tree. So in Jesus' name we ask you, Father, shut us in with yourself and may the Spirit of God have free course and may your word find a lodging place in every heart. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Zechariah 13 and 6 says, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, those with which I was wounded in the house of my friends. And one shall say unto him, unto who? This was written 500 years before the birth of Christ at Bethlehem. 500 years before a baby was born of a virgin, the spirit of prophecy came through Zechariah. To give mankind hope, to give Israel hope, to give Judah hope, to give you and I hope. 
And he says that there would be one who would have wounds in his hands. But who? You see, not everyone believes that this speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are some Christian and theologians who do not believe that this is Christ, although there be few, and for a change I'm one of the many, who believe it is the Lord Jesus Christ. This is none other but the Son of God who was nailed to Calvary's tree for our sins. Now notice this. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded in the house of my friend. So, just bear with me and let me enter for a few moments the theological world of Bible apologetics. Sounds big, but it's not really. In other words, let me explain, let me put meat on the bones that you and I can really see Christ tonight. Don't want you to see a preacher tonight. We want you to see him. If you see a preacher, then the preacher is doing a wrong job. If you see him tonight, then that's all that will matter for your soul. That's all that will matter for the Christian to be strengthened in their soul. And for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as their own Lord and personal Savior, to see Christ on the cross through the the quickening of the Holy Spirit according to the Word of God is enough to save a soul for eternity. To see him saves, but to gaze upon him will sanctify you. To gaze on Christ will sanctify your life. To gaze on Christ in the Word, to see him prophesied often, the Bible coming true, showing Christ in all his glory, showing him in his passion, which is his greatest glory for you and me. That's enough to save us and to meditate on these things is enough for you and I to be sanctified when we gaze on him, the Christ of the cross. So I assert at the beginning of this tonight that I myself personally, as your pastor, believe that this is the Lord Jesus Christ that the prophet is speaking about. The reason being, let me just take you through a few things. In Zechariah 13 and verse 1, notice what it says. In that day, there shall be a fountain opened to the house of David, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem for sin and for uncleanness. Now, I want to tell you something. I have heard preachers, and I I respect these preachers, and I love some of them. And I've heard them saying that this is going to happen whenever Jesus is uh, so-called, or we're secretly raptured to meet Jesus in the air. And there's going to be a fountain open in the house of David for sin and uncleanness. I want to categorically make a statement that I believe that if you're not under the blood of Christ, no matter whether it's bulls or goats, red heifers or lambs, you are not forgiven of your sin. It's under the blood of Christ plus nothing else. Nothing else. So I've heard preachers who I greatly respect say that this will be a second fountain. Let me say this. The fountain that was opened in the house of David, not only was it opened for the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, it was opened from the house of David, being our Lord Jesus Christ, David's greater son, he who is from the tribe of Judah. Listen to Jameson, Fawcett and Brown, their commentary, what it says on this. According to the the fountain opened, I quote, 
it has been long opened. But then first, it shall be so with the house of David, representing all Israel after their long and weary wandering. In other words, they were wandering, they were scattered, and this was the fountain open when Christ returned to bring redemption unto the house of Israel. Here we have the Lord Jesus coming to die and shed his most precious blood for a sin-sick people, for a sin-cursed world, for a fallen humanity. And you and I, through all this time, 2,000 plus years since, we are still receiving the benefits of the power of the blood of the Lamb. This is the fountain that was opened. Some say Psalm 68 and verse 26 refers to this also. In Psalm 68 and verse 26 it says, Bless ye God in the congregations, even the Lord from the foundations of Israel. In other words, it speaks of the time when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem. And the priests were to bear it on staves on the sides of the ark and carried it into Jerusalem. And that Ark of the Covenant represents, it was a foreshadowing. 1,000 years before Christ was born, it was a foreshadowing. It was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Inside that golden box, inside the Ark of the Covenant, were the tables of the commandments, was the pot of manna and Aaron's rod that budded, blossomed, and bloomed. In other words, there was the table of the commandments that every man has broken but would be fulfilled in Christ. There was the pot of, man, pot of manna of the Israelites at in the wilderness. And that's when Jesus claims to be that bread. He says, I am the bread of life. And then there was Aaron's rod, which budded, blossomed, and bloomed. Simply it was a stick. A dead, lifeless piece of wood which budded flowers and bloomed before Pharaoh himself. Now, or before the temple itself. And here we have that stick which represents death. Which represents lifelessness. Which represents that which cannot be raised but by sovereign power. And the flowers represent the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here the priests carry it into Jerusalem. But you'll notice something else. This psalm speaks of this time, but you could read it in 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're told that as the Ark of the Covenant was born on the priest's shoulders, that David had an animal slain. Oxen or cattle were slain every six paces. Six paces and an animal was slain. One, two, three, four, five, six, stop. Another animal was slain. One, two, three, four, five, six, another animal was slain. One, two, three, four, five, six, another one, six, another one, six, and another one. The whole way into Jerusalem. There was blood everywhere. And the blood was on the road, and it was on the people's feet. And it was on the procession going in. The blood was everywhere. Here is Christ on the blood. Let me tell you that in the book of Hebrews in the New Testament, Hebrews 10 and verse 20 tells us of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that he has consecrated a new and a living way for us. In other words, that road that was paved with blood in David's day 
was a foreshadowing of the road that is paved with the blood of Christ. The lamb without spot or blemish. God's lamb. And that blood still stands for you and me tonight. That blood will never lose its power. That blood still avails for every sinner. That blood avails for you in your seat, no matter how far you've went, no matter how low you've got, no matter what you've done, the sins in your life, your past life, it doesn't matter. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And here we have the new and living way consecrated through the blood of Christ. The new and living way really means, the word new gives the idea of a freshly slain, S-L-A-I-N, a slain animal. Like David slayed one fresh. Six paces he slayed another one fresh. Six paces he slayed another one fresh. And the blood was shed the whole way down the road. Such is the walk when a man and woman comes to Christ. The blood of Christ covers them every step of the way, every moment of the day, every day of the week and every week of the month and every month of the year for as long as they live or until Christ returns. The blood avails for me tonight and the blood avails for you. This is a new and a living way. It's as though Christ's blood was shed right at this very moment. It's as though the blood of Jesus was shed for you just here and now. It's as though the blood of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, had just been crucified in front of your eyes this very moment. And the blood was flowing from Emmanuel's veins right now. Such is the new and the living way. Oh, when I come to God, oh, when I come before him to pray and to seek his face, I can tell you I don't come with anything in my own hands. I come the new and the living way. The word living there is the word zoah. Gives the idea of that real life of God. The life that God gives. The quickening of the Holy Ghost in a man and a woman. Here's the spirit and here is the blood. That's how you come to God. And we're told that we can enter the Holy of Holies at any time. And at any place. Wherever you are. Call upon the name of the Lord. And the Lord is always there. He never leaves us. Neither does he forsake us. You and I are covered this evening in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that fantastic to know that? There's power in the blood. Oh, we sang, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Have you lost your guilty stains tonight? Have you lost your guilty stains? Well, I'm trying. You don't try. You'll never lose them. Fuller's soap cannot wash you. No matter what you do, cannot wash you. Only the blood of Jesus can cleanse a sinner from their sin. Only the blood of Jesus can make you free. Only the blood of Jesus can make you whiter than the snow. Only the blood of Jesus will the Father accept. It's the blood that the Lord sees and the Lord accepts. And what he recognizes is the blood of the Lamb. Are you washed in the blood? Are you washed in the blood? Here in Zechariah 13 and 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Then he shall answer, Those with which I was wounded. Notice, in the house of my friends. In the house of my friends. John chapter 1 and verse 11 says of the Lord Jesus, he came on to his own. 
and his own received him not. He came to the remnant of Judah and he came to where the, the Jewish Pharisees were and they said, away with him, crucify him, crucify him. Yes, those with which I was wounded, the house of my friends, can mean even my neighbors. The house of my neighbors. Listen to what Psalm 41 and verse 9 says. And here again is a thousand years before the birth of Christ at Bethlehem. Yea, mine own familiar friend, in whom I trusted, which did eat off my bread, hath lifted his heel up against me. Notice this, his friend whom he trusted, which did eat of his bread, hath lifted up his heel against him. Are we not told in the Gospels that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke and said, Take it, this is my body which is broken for you. Are we not told that he dips it in the sop, in the cup, and he hands it to Judas Iscariot? That old friend, so-called friend, he did lift up his heel against Christ, and he did eat his bread. And notice the pathos, the hurt, Notice it, 1,000 years beforehand, even if you read John 13 and verse 18 when you go home, this very same verse from Psalm 41 and verse 9 is quoted in John 13 and 18. Yes, he lifted up his heel against Christ. He went out into the night and he betrayed him. I wouldn't do that if I was Judas Iscariot. I wouldn't be like that, would you not? Will you, will you come to him? Will you trust in him? Will you believe him? Here we have he lifts up his heel. But the idea here in the Hebrew is lifting up his heel. It's a mighty blow like the back kick of a horse. Notice how the heart of Christ feels here. My friend, even though he knew he was a devil, he kicked me hard. He kicked me hard. The kiss of Judas Iscariot was the kiss of a traitor. And the kiss of a traitor wounded the Lord's heart as much as the nail wounded his hand. Let me say it again. The kiss of a traitor wounded the Lord's heart as much as the nail wounded his hand. Notice what Zechariah now says. Zechariah 13 and verse 7. Awake, O sword, Against my shepherd. Notice this. And against the man that is my fellow, saith the Lord of hosts. Smite the shepherd. And the sheep shall be scattered. Here is Jehovah's shepherd. The one that he would send. Or in other words, here is Jehovah the shepherd. Here is Jehovah's shepherd. Yet he is Jehovah the shepherd. Notice what he calls him. He says, he is, verse 7 again in Zechariah chapter 13. He called him the man that is my fellow. Notice, the man that is my fellow. Here Jehovah's fellow is Jehovah's shepherd. And Jehovah's fellow is Jehovah the shepherd. Now that's a mystery that will take eternity to try and work out. But here's something, Psalm 80 and verse 1. Jehovah is called the shepherd of Israel. Thou that leadest Joseph like a flock. Thou that dwellest between the cherubims, we're told, they cry unto him, shine forth. 
Again, we think of that ark going into Jerusalem. And on the ark was the lid called the mercy seat. And on the mercy seat were the two cherubim, wing touching wing. And as the glory of God came down, it was shining between the very two cherubim on the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant. And here we're told that the shepherd of Israel is called upon by Joseph. Joseph means here the ten tribes of Israel that was in the northern kingdom and all of Israel that was in the southern kingdom also of Judah. Thou that dwellest between the cherubims. In other words, O Lord, we need you in the midst of our nation. Lord, we need you in the midst of our church. Lord, we need you in the midst of our homes. Lord, we need you to sort out our difficulties. Lord, we need you because the enemy is coming against us. Lord, we need you on the left hand and on the right. Lord, we need you all the time. We need you. I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee, said the hymn writer. And such were the men and women crying out to God, Thou that comes down and dwells between the cherubims, Almighty God, we need you. Shine forth in your glory, Lord. That's a prayer to have, isn't it? Is it not a prayer for the church? Is not a prayer for you and your home? Lord, will you shine forth in your glory and start in my heart. Start in my family. Start in my home. Start in our assembly. Here they're saying, shine forth. Listen to this, Isaiah 40. Verses 10 and 11. Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand. Notice the way there's pictures given to us here through the spirit of prophecy. Notice this. Behold, the Lord your God will come with a strong hand. That's fantastic. Oh, that the the strong hand of the power of God would come back. That God would come and move in power and in glory in our nation here. In these island homes of ours. That God would come with a strong hand and defeat the enemy. That God would come and give us godly men and godly women. That God would come and change our government. That God would come and take us out of Europe. That God would come and save his people. Oh, that God would come. Now that's a prayer that you and I would pray for revival. Behold the Lord your God shall come with a strong arm. A strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Isn't that not strange his arm shall rule? A strong hand and his arm shall rule for him. Let's read on for a moment. His reward is with him and his work before him. Notice these things because I want to refer to them. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather his lambs with his arm. Gather his lambs with his arm. Take note. And carry them into his bosom. Let me break this down for you. The Lord our God came with a strong hand and his arms shall rule for him. Christ is the arm of the Lord. Christ is the right hand of God. Christ is the Lord coming Becoming flesh for you and I. Christ is he who came with a strong hand. He came and defeated the devil on the cross. He came and he shed his blood. And when the devil thought he had a victory, he didn't realize till the resurrection power on resurrection day that the devil was defeated in all of our lives. He came with a strong hand. And his arm, that is Jehovah's arm, will rule for Jehovah. Stay with me. Notice He will rule for him. His reward is with him. 
His reward is with them. What does Jesus say in Revelation chapter 22 and verse 12? He says, Behold, I come quickly. Speaking of his second coming. Speaking of him coming to set his kingdom up on earth again. He says, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. That's the arm of the Lord. That's who he is. His arm has great reward. His work is before him. Take mental note of that. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather his lambs with his arm. God will gather his lambs through the Lord Jesus Christ and carry them into his bosom. Isn't it lovely to know you're in the bosom of the Father tonight in Christ Jesus. We've been doing the study. Our life is hid with Christ and God. So here we have the Lord Jesus who gathers his sheep together. Zechariah 13 and 7. Smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Matthew 26 and verse 13 says these words. Then saith Jesus unto them, All ye shall be offended because of me this night. Or in other words, all of you will be scandalized. You'll be ashamed of me. Afraid of what will happen if you're associated with me. Are you scandalized over Jesus tonight? I'm glad to be associated with the Nazarene. Then saith Jesus unto them all, ye shall be offended because of me this night. Notice, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Yes, I would say that Zechariah 13 speaks of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20 calls on Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 25, calls him the shepherd and bishop of our souls. 1 Peter 5 and 4 calls him the chief shepherd. John chapter 10 and verse 11, the Lord Jesus calls himself the good shepherd, the good shepherd that giveth his life for the sheep. Psalm 23 and verse 1, David says, the Lord is my shepherd. He's mine. Genesis 49 and 24 He's called the shepherd, the stone of Israel. And notice what Ezekiel says about him in Ezekiel 34. Let me just read a couple of verses out of Ezekiel 34. Ezekiel 34 and verse 6. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. Speaking of ancient Israel here. Notice what it says in verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold I, even I. You know, It's just amazing when you think that when all others let you down and you can't get anybody else to do something for you and you think all is at a loss and there's no one else to back you up and stand beside you that the Lord is always there. He says, I will not put the trust in another. I Even I, he said, I will come myself. None other could save us. None other could rescue us. Notice what he says. I, behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among the sheep. 
that are scattered. I, so, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the cloudy and dark day. Praise God that he came to save, seek and to save the lost. That's how you were saved tonight. That's how I was saved when the Lord Jesus himself came to seek and to save that which was lost. John 10 verses 15 and 16. Notice what it says. And the Father knoweth me, says the Lord Jesus. So know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Other sheep I have which are not of this fold. Them also must I bring, and they shall hear my voice. That's you tonight. That's you. He's speaking in Judea 2,000 years ago. But the fountain that was opened in the house of David for sin and uncleanness, uncleansing, or uncleanness, that fountain flowed for 2,000 years. And that fountain is still flowing for every deep-dyed sinner that will come under the fountain of blood tonight. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. So let's go back to Zechariah 13. Thank you for your attention. Zechariah 13 and verse 6. And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? As I said, these wounds had not yet been afflicted. They're prophetic. This is prophetic. We've been giving you all the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. These are prophetic 500 years before they even happened. They are prophetic. But note the descriptive tones of the word of God. These not only were prophetic, but they were personal. Secondly, they were personal. Verse 7 says, Awake, O sword, against, notice, my shepherd, and against the man that is my fellow. My shepherd, my fellow. These wounds were personal to God. In the mind of God, they were already as good as done. You see, when God spoke something, he spoke through the word of prophecy and he made it come to pass. Behold, it would come to pass. And God says there'll be one and you will look upon him with nail-scarred hands and you will ask him, what are these wounds in thine hands? 500 years before Christ was nailed to the cross, they are... Prophetic, they are personal to God. First Peter chapter 1 tells us we are redeemed, not, with, not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without spot or blemish. And in verse 20 of First Peter chapter 1, it says, who, for, or who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ was already slain in the mind of God, it was already done. Done and dusted before the foundation of the world. It was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Notice this. The Lord Jesus in his death was foreordained. In other words, we go into eternity past. Foreordained means to designate beforehand. Christ would die for our sin. Christ would be nailed to the tree. Before there was a sinner on the earth, there was a saviour in heaven. And Christ would come to die on the cross of Calvary. Here is eternity. Then the found, before the foundation of the world brings it into antiquity. Antiquity is, the word foundation means to throw down. To throw something down. You put a foundation down, you throw down the foundation of the house first. 
And the foundation here is the foundation of the world. The throwing out of the word of God into space before God threw everything out, the stars and the planets and in their orbit, we're told even before that, God had already a savior ready. The lamb was slain in the mind of God for me. Even before he spoke the words into being, before Adam came, before Adam and Eve sinned, before the flood came, Oh, we think of Noah and we think of Shem and Ham and Japheth and we think of all Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. God was starting to move, starting to show himself, starting to reveal himself. And he says, I have a plan for you. I have a purpose for you. And this is my plan. And this is my purpose. And oh, it started the shedding of precious blood, shedding of blood, shedding of blood. Till it comes to the shedding of the blood of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brings us into reality. Foreordained is eternity before the foundation of the world, that is antiquity, but was manifest in these last times for you, that's reality. In other words, there's going to come a time, there's going to come a day, there's going to come an hour when Christ will break the skies and he will fill the heavens with myriads and myriads and myriads of angels. But you know, in the midst of it all, all we will see is the scars in his hands and in his feet. What are these wounds in thine hands? You've done that for me, Lord. You've done that for me. Hebrews 4 and 3 says, For we which have believed to enter into rest, as he said, I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Notice that the works were finished. Here he speaks of Israel getting into the promised land. God went before them. God says, just trust me and enter in. I've got it all finished for you. Every place the sole of your foot walks on, it's yours. He says, claim it now and take it and go and inherit it. And friend, brother, sister, that's what we're to do. Start claiming and inheriting that which Christ has already given to us. The works were finished before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13 and 8 says of the Lord Jesus, he is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So, the man, the lamb, the manifest one is Yahweh or Jehovah Almighty God himself. Notice what he says. He mentions the man, the man that is my fellow. The man that is my fellow. See how personal it is? Do you see the death of Christ, how personal it is? It's his son. He says, he's my fellow. He's my fellow. I give him for you. Listen, he says, I gave him for you. And you're going to try and come another way? You expect to come another way? He is my fellow. He's the jewel of heaven. The word fellow here is a word, amith. Listen to what it means. The man who is my associate. The man of my fellowship. Isn't that beautiful? Christ. Jesus. 
the Lord Jesus Christ, he's Yahweh Almighty God, yet the Father says, See that man that was nailed to the tree? Do you see the one who hung and writhing in agony, bleeding and dying for you? That's the man of my fellowship. He's my fellow. He's mine, and I give him to you. It means my fellow companion, my equal. Yeah, our Lord, we're told in Philippians 2 and 6, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. You know why? Because he was God. Almighty God. Listen to this. John 10 and 30, he says, I, my Father, one. John 14 and 6, he says, that no man cometh unto the Father but by me. John 14 and 9, he says, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. What's tremendous. Powerful. Listen to what he says again. John 14 and 10. The Father that dwelleth in me. Right? The Father, he says, that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. The man that is my fellow. It means the hero that is with me. It means, remember the strong hand? The man that is my fellow also means the strong man who is mine. Amen. Mark 16 and verse 19 says, So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, not his disciples, after his resurrection, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. He sat on the right hand of God. Remember his arm? Remember his arm comes down? He is the strong hand, the arm, the right hand of God. Now it returns back again unto the Father which sent it. Acts 7 and 55, Stephen, when he was being stoned, says, it says, but being full of the Holy Ghost, he looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Romans 8 and 34, Colossians 3 and 1, Hebrews 12 and 2, 1 Peter 3 and 22. All of them mention the Lord Jesus Christ, the man which is God's fellow, standing at the right hand of God. Hebrews 8 and 1 says he's on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. Hebrews 10 and 12 says, but this man, what man? The man with the wounds in his hands. The man which is God's fellow. The Lamb of God. This man. Not a priest. Not a pope. Not a prelate. More like a primate. None of them. Not a pastor. Not a minister. None but Christ, the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sin of the world. But this man, in all of glory, but this man, in all of the world, in the history of the world, from all the men that ever were born, but this man. <laughs> There's no other man. There's only one man who is God's fellow. There's only one man who is snail scarred and in the heavens at the right hand of God. There's only one and his name is Jesus. Christ and Christ alone. 
But this man, God's arm, God's shepherd, God's lamb, God's associate, his companion, his fellow man, his man of his fellowship, his only begotten son and his beloved son. But this man, these wounds are personal to the Father. Personal to God. People say, I'll get saved because I'm a good person. Listen, this is personal to God. He gave his son. He gave his fellow. This man, the man of Calvary, the man of Galilee, Jesus of Nazareth. But this man, after he had offered up one sacrifice for sins, listen, forever, forever, sat down at the right hand of God. The word right hand here, thank you for your attention, I'm wrapping up. Right hand, here's the word, dexisos, and it means the place of power. The place of authority, the place of honor. Revelation talks about the lamb in the midst of the throne. (laughs) That's Jesus. He is the one and self-same God. The wounds of Christ are prophetic, personal, and permanent. Zechariah 13 and 6, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thine hands? Or the literal translation reads, What are these wounds between your hands? Eh? That's the literal translation. What are these wounds between your hands? Or in other words, what's these wounds from hand to hand? In other words, from this hand, and the front of your body, on the back of your body, to the other hand. What are these wounds all over your body? Here was the nail-scarred hands. Here was the riven side where the soldier pierced it with a spear. Here were the stripes upon his back. By his stripes we are healed. Here were the nails in his feet, the bruises on his face. They pulled out his beard. He was marred more than any man. And we will look at him. And we will see scars upon the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. What are these wounds from hand to hand upon you, Christ Jesus? Oh boy. Bear with me for one more moment. We're closing. Thank you for your attention. Psalm 22 verse 16 is the psalm of the cross. And again, the Lord uses it on his hanging on the tree. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Matthew 27 verse 46. Psalm 22 and verse 1, he cries that. Psalm 22 and verse 16, he cries, For dogs have encompassed me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet thousand years before it happened. One thousand years before it happened. Isaiah 49 and 6. This is beautiful. Listen to this. Behold, I have graven thee. This is God Almighty. This is him before Calvary. Isn't that fantastic? This is him. It's already done, he says. I've done it all for you. His work was before him, but yet it was finished from before the foundation of the world. So I'm working out. He says, Behold, I have engraven you. The palms of my hands. I have graven you on the palms of my hands. Oh, Job, Job 19, verses 23 and 24. Job, with all his trials and his testings, and they were terrible, the temptations and all the things that happened to Job. Listen to what he says, trying to show his heart. He says, oh, that my words were written, I written. Oh, that they were printed in a book. Verse 24, listen to what he says. That they were graven with an iron pen and bled in the rock forever. 
I wish this could be written forever. For as long as that rock stands, I wish my feelings, my hurt could be written forever. That I could explain it. Well, you know something? The Father hath graven you upon the palms of his hands. He is our rock. He is our mighty fortress. And your name will stand forever in the wounds of Christ. My name is written on his hands. On his hands. The Roman nail was the pen of iron for Christ that wrote our name and engraved our names forever. They're printed in a book, the Lamb's Book of Life, but they're written in the rock forever. Old Augustus Toplady said, wrote to him, Rock of Ages, cleft for me. But he also wrote this, thought this was beautiful. My name from the palms of his hands, eternity will not erase. Impressed on his breast it remains in marks of indelible grace. Isn't that beautiful? I have marked you, Lord, by my sinning. The mark from the front to the back, from hand to hand, Lord, I have marked you. And oh, Lord, I thank you, you have bore it all for me. Charles Wesley wrote, Arise, my soul, arise. Shake off thy guilty fears. The bleeding sacrifice on my behalf appears. Before the throne my surety stands. Before the throne my surety stands. My name is written on his hands. You know when our risen Lord came to Thomas? He stood before Thomas. Risen from the dead. He showed him his hands and he says, Behold my hands and my feet. Take your hand, Thomas, and thrust it into my side where the spear went in. These marks are permanent. Christ was permanently marked that you and I could go free. There's going to be a day when we will say, what are these marks? Oh, Lord, we will see them. Thank you, Jesus. Because we'll look at him. who was marred for our sinning. You'll look at him who was marred for your sinning. Scars on his hands and his feet. Riven side. That new and living way that we can walk through his blood. And we will worship him. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for loving us. Thank you, Lord. God bless his work. That's been long tonight. Thank you for your attention. Been tremendous. Here are the marks of Christ. They are... The prophetic, the personal, and the permanent wounds of Jesus. See those wounds, Lord, they were done for me. Thank you. He bears my name forever. He bears your name, brother, sister, forever, forever. He went out looking, seeking for your soul, for you. If you're not saved, it's for you. Trust you'll come to Christ. Give your life to him. See how important it is that you come. Gary, will you close for us, please? Thank you for your attention. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Isn't he all together lovely, isn't he? He's a wonderful Savior.
He's a wonderful Lord. We we'll love him with all our hearts. Unashamed. Unashamed to call him my own. Blessed be his name. Hallelujah. Ladies, don't forget your big night Wednesday night, by the way. Phyllis Arnold will be here. You'll have a great night, I'm sure. Bless his name. Look, says tonight, if you want to, you're interested and you want to say, Lord, you were wounded for me. And Lord, I need you. I trust in your wounds. Your precious blood.